I invite you to take your Bibles, if you have them, with me this evening and turn to Proverbs 3 once again. Three commands that we've covered so far out of the, the five general ones that I desire to cover. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. The truth in love. In verse 3. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And then verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. With each one of these a supporting verse that gives a result as it relates to why it is that this command is so important. For in exercising the truth in love, we find uh, among God and man favor and good understanding. For in trusting in the Lord with all our hearts and acknowledging Him in all our ways, God will direct our paths. And if God is directing our paths, we know that we are going in a good direction. We are not wise in our own eyes, we are not wise in our own conceit, but rather we fear the Lord and depart from evil. And in doing so, we will find a measure of wellness. We will find a measure of physical and spiritual wellness, a, a measure of health. We will not be spending our time on ourselves. We'll not be spending our time judging others, but we will rather be spending our time looking inward, looking outward, serving, loving, truth and love, being directed by the Lord, looking to Him for our needs. We come this evening to a fourth command in verses 9 and 10. The Bible says this, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. We have here a fourth command, and this fourth command is in direct regard to our possessions. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. So this is a command which has a tremendous amount of precedent uh, in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament, specifically though in the Old Testament. Uh, we see this uh, command given in two distinct uh, but interrelated forms throughout the Old Testament. We see the concept of tithing, and then we see the concept of first fruits. Now the first time that we see this concept of the tithe is way back in Genesis 14, where Abraham uh, has gone out, still Abram at that point, and he has rescued his nephew Lot from, uh, I believe, Chirdeleomer, uh, and um, various uh, kings uh, that had come against Sodom and Gomorrah and had, um, or is it Chushashreathayim, I believe. Uh, one or the other, or maybe both. Uh, one way or another, those kings, they go out and uh, they go against Sodom and Gomorrah. They, they overtake them and uh, Lot is, of course, among them. So Abraham sends his servants and they go and they fight and they take back uh, all of the spoil. They take back these people and uh, Abram gives all of that back to the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah with the exception of what his servants want as spoils and then with the exception of the tithe that he gives to Melchizedek who came out to bless him, Melchizedek being um, the priest that was in Salem or Jerusalem um, and through that we find this first, uh, this first precedent for the idea that the man of God was given a tenth or a tithe of that which was the first fruits of Abraham's gleanings from this battle. And so we see that, and then as we step into the establishment of the law, right, the law of Moses, uh, we see the tithe spoken of a number of times as well, Leviticus 27 and Numbers 28 and Deuteronomy 14, and all of that element, the, the, um, the, the tithe element, this, this literally meaning a tenth, 
uh, of the possessions of a person, of their increase, uh, speaks to the content of a principle of giving unto the Lord. What were they to give to the Lord? Well, uh, most specifically in the Old Testament, it was a tenth. It was a tithe. Uh, it was that ten, first 10% portion of that which they had brought in of increase, giving it back to the Lord. And then we see a second principle within the Old Testament called the first fruits principle. And, and this is more of the actual principle itself as opposed to the tithe, which is more of like the content of the principle in the Old Testament. Uh, we see this principle directly as it relates to offerings. And the first fruit was intended to be the means by which uh, God's people would sustain God's ministers, and that being the Levites, as we walk throughout the Old Testament. So we see it in Exodus 23, we see it in Leviticus 23, we see it in Numbers 28, we see it in Deuteronomy 18, all of these various elements speaking to the principle that is called the first fruits principle. And so this is not just the idea of a tenth, or, or even just the idea of a portion, but specifically the idea of a first portion, that the first of my increase would go to the Lord. Now, uh, this is not necessarily something that um, we understand fully within the scope of our, our uh, context today, because I get a chunk of money at the beginning of every month, and that money uh, gets dispersed in a number of directions toward uh, various bills and whatnot, and the order of events is not necessarily always such um, because it's going into the bank and it's going and, and it's just a bunch of numbers on a screen uh, as far as it's concerned or numbers in a checkbook. Uh, it's not necessarily that I'm, I actually have it all in my hand and I say, okay, the first bit uh, in cash, that's, that's for the Lord, and then this bit is for something else. Uh, but if you think about an agrarian culture, if you think about a, a culture of uh, shepherds and a culture of, of farmers, uh, this makes a little bit more sense because you're going to be harvesting over the, the course of time. And so as you look at your harvest, you take the very first of your gleanings of the harvest, you take the very first of the new uh, um, animals that are born, the new sheep, the new goats, the new uh, um, uh, cows, oxen, you take the very first of these things and you give them unto the Lord. And so that first fruits principle is a little bit more clear cut as we look into the Old Testament um, because of the nature of the society. The, the idea that, that you are actually giving the very first of what you have, uh, the first thing that comes out, the Lord, then the next thing. We see this even as it re would relate to the conquering in, in uh, Canaan, right? So when Joshua is leading the people over the Jordan River, they come to Jericho. And if you recall, when they come to Jericho, uh, they are to do a, a number of things as it relates to the siege of Jericho. They're to walk around the, the walls once for six days, and on the seventh day, they're to walk around the walls seven days. And they're to do that with all of the people and the Ark of the Covenant and whatnot and, and the trumpets. And then on that seventh day, after walking around the wall seven times, they are to shout and the trumpets are going to blow and the walls come down and then they go in and they take the city. And as this, uh, this, uh, thing took place, as this siege of sorts took place, what we understand is that God said, this city is the first fruits. You may not take anything from this city. Everything within this city must be burned, must be destroyed. It is consecrated to me. And so because of that expectation, of course, they were to take nothing Achan did, and, and then we have the whole sin with him that they find out in the days of Ai. But, but the fact of the matter is, that's the exact same idea, is it not? 
that within the scope of Jericho and even conquering the city, the very first of the conquered cities was dedicated to the Lord. It was a first fruits. It would certainly not be a tithe. It would not be a 10% portion of, of all of the cities that would be destroyed over the course of the next several years. There were certainly more than 10 cities that were destroyed. And, and uh, Jericho would certainly not be a full tenth of the regions that were conquered. And yet the nature of the conquering, the nature of the action was that the first bit of, of this conquering, the first city, was to go to the Lord. It was consecrated unto the Lord. That's the first fruits principle. And we do see a measure of merging between these principles as we look into the Old Testament. Uh, where there would be a first fruits that would be combined with a tithe idea. Uh, but as I just mentioned, not always. Uh, they, they truly are somewhat interrelated but distinct principles as it relates to the tithe and to the first fruits principle. Now, as we um, apply this first fruits principle in the New Testament, we do so carefully. Now, I, I say it in that way that we apply um, this, this idea because we don't actually see either the tithe or the first fruits come up directly as it would relate to giving in the New Testament. We do see Paul equate giving to the minister of the local church in the same way as, as giving to the priest in the Old Testament. We see that uh, equating being done in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we do see the same principle of muzzle not the axe that treadeth out the corn uh, relayed into this principle of the labor being worthy of his hire and thus the minister is worthy of having his needs met. And we've talked about that. We talked about that in 1 Timothy 5. We've talked about it as it has come up in the scriptures on a number of occasions that God's people are to give to the needs of the local church, give to the needs of the minister that the minister does have the biblical right um, to be cared for by the people unto whom he ministers. Uh, he, does not have to, he does not have to take that right, as 1 Corinthians 9 makes very clear, um, that it is not, a, it is not a, um, an obligation that he receive from his people, uh, only that he does have the right to do so as a laborer among them. And so here we then see this principle in proverbial form. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thy increase. Now in the New Testament, as I ju we just talked through some of the Old Testament principles, in the New Testament, the principle that we do see is twofold. First is this idea of supporting the minister. I mentioned 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Read you a few verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It is here that we see this principle espoused firstly, and again, it is, it is Paul saying that, that it is Paul defending his own ministry and the fact that he did not take advantage of this, though he could have. And so he says in, in chapter 9, verse 1, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are ye not my work in the Lord? If I be not an, uh, an apostle unto others, yea, yet doubtless I am unto you, for the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. So he tells the church in Corinth, uh, I have, the proof of my apostleship may not be evident everywhere, but you are the seal, the proof of my apostleship, uh, very clearly because you're, you're the fruit of my labor. Uh, you are believers because of my labor. You understand what you understand about the word of God because of my labor among you. So he was the instrumental minister within the, the church of Corinth. 
He says, mine answer, verse 3, to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of our Lord and Cephas? Or I only and Barnabas, have we not power to forbear working? So he says, do not ministers have power and privileges? Does not the minister have the power or the privilege to eat and to drink? That would be to eat and to drink as he would. Uh, to not bind himself to any one standard. He has the power to do that. Does not the minister have the power to have a wife and children? He does have the power to do that. Does not the minister, he then asks, have the power to forbear working, to not work and to be taken care of by the church? The minister has all of these powers. Paul goes on to say that he, ha he did not utilize those um, powers among them. He did not take advantage of that. Quite specifically, he chose not to. He says in verse 12, if others be partaker of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And he goes on to say that he has used none of those things. He has been without charge among them. Uh, in order that he could reach them better. And within a few verses I skipped there, he quoted Deuteronomy and uh, spoke of, of not muzzling the ox that treadeth out the corn and the labor being worthy of his hire. So we see that principle. Again, it's found in 1 Timothy 5.18 as well. And most uh, um, clearly and definitively, perhaps, we also see it in Galatians chapter 6. And in Galatians chapter 6, uh, Paul is again speaking specifically toward ministers. And as he speaks towards ministers... He um, calls God's people to, to be abundant in their giving. He says, verse 6, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So Paul begins here explicitly by saying, let him that is taught in the word, the person who's being taught, communicate. And remember from First and Second Timothy, we talked about that word koinonia to communicate, specifically in Second Timothy 1, which we got derailed on pretty heavily here. But we, we saw this idea of, um, remember I was kind of tearing down a bunch of preconceived notions as it related to uh, the meaning there. And uh, as we were speaking in 2 Timothy chapter 1, um, uh, Paul was, let, let, let me get there. Um, um, God's not giving us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. We talked to that one. Um, why, what, what am I thinking of here? Hmm. Maybe I've lost context with all of this time that uh, we have been away. I'm sure it was, it was, if I had Allison here, she'd help me out at this point. Uh, um, or maybe even my kids. Anyway, um, because we had been talking about it in relation to a Good News Club verse. Uh, but uh, we had been talking about the fact that this word koinonia, communication and fellowship, often spoke to speaking, uh, uh, or not, not just to speaking, but to giving. 
the idea of giving forth or giving out. And we have that same idea here, this word communicate, communicate unto the one who is teaching in all good things. But notice how quickly uh, there's a transition from this concept of communicating unto the, the one who teaches uh, to a broadening concept that the sower shall reap what they sow. And if you sow to carnal things, you'll reap carnal things. If you sow to spiritual things, you'll reap spiritual things. And this is a principle that goes well beyond just giving, but it does apply to giving. It has to apply to giving, and it has to apply to giving foremost because this is the context within which it is given. And that correlates to what we see this evening in Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of thy increase unto what end? So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, the last passage that I want to take you to as it relates to giving, before we start to broaden out this principle in the same way that Galatians does, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, Paul says this, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. So we've already talked about how the church is intended to support the minister in, in a real way. But we also find, as we step into 2 Corinthians 9, among other passages, that the church has a real function, and we see it in Romans chapter 12 as well, of ministering to the needs of the saints, right? Ministering to the needs of the saints. So Paul says in verse 2, For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready, lest haply, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in the same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you, uh, unto you, excuse me, and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a manner of bounty and not as of covetousness. So we see Paul uh, saying here, basically he's sending people up ahead of time because he's been bragging about how Achaia has been ready for a year to give this offering and the reality that others have been so ready and willing has motivated many to give. And then Paul says, but I'm bringing some folks from Macedonia now to you in Achaia and if you're not as ready as I expected you to be and as I, as I thought you were, and if, if maybe you, you had everything ready and you said that you were ready, but maybe you weren't as ready as you let me think you were, then you're going to be ashamed and I'm going to be ashamed and we don't want, and we don't want that. So, so if, you, if you aren't quite as ready as you said you were, or if maybe you're ready in mind, but you haven't actually put it all together yet, let's get it together so that we can be a good testimony. He says then, and he applies the same principle that we just talked about in Galatians chapter 6, but this I say. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So once again, we, we see this principle related to giving. We reap in accordance with what we sow. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. So not only do we reap in accordance with what we sow, but when we sow in expectant faith, we are called to do so not in grudging obligation, but in faith and willingly and cheerfully. And God is able, verse 8, to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And the third principle is what I might lack due to my cheerful giving unto God, God will not fail 
to make up. And so we have these principles that are laid out. And once again, these are principles of giving. I know we're in a, a, a unique time, and we're in a time of, of lack and of loss and of uh, uncertainty and whatnot. And may I encourage you, and, and I thank God that, that this encouragement does not, has not, I'm not having to do this in any sort of a, 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 a concerned way. May I encourage you to maintain your giving, your generosity. Uh, you've done that these last several weeks. We've got a meal at our house every day uh, for the Schmidt family, and, and, and uh, there has been that generosity. I've seen that generosity. Don't let that go away in these times of uncertainty. Those are the times uh, where, that, where everyone's in uncertainty, which means more, more than just you uh, are living in uncertainty. And uh, if, by God's grace, you have uh, found bounty in this time of uncertainty, be sure that that bounty uh, does not just rest with you, but finds its way to those who are in need and who, in this time of uncertainty, uh, might, be in, uh, might, might be lacking, might uh, have a lack. And thus we see this principle. And notice, notice the idea here. As we look into the New Testament, we don't really see a tithe. We don't even directly see a first fruits principle, although we see uh, the first fruits principle uh, a little bit more so as we think about this idea of them coming at the beginning of the week in, in 1 Corinthians 9 and laying up in store such as God has, has blessed them. We didn't read all of that, but um, there, there is that there. And yet what we do see is this. Cheerful, dedicated giving, knowing that we will reap what we sow, and expecting that God will make up the difference to the extent that I lay myself out for the needs of others. And that's giving as it relates to the New Testament. Very much a grace principle, very much a love principle, uh, very different from a principle of, uh, from a legal principle as we would understand it. In the Old Testament. But coming back here then to Proverbs chapter 3, there's something more here that I'd like to consider. And really, the focal point of my sermon is not giving directly, though this is the focal point of the verse, of the verses in a sense. But notice it says here, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thy increase. So the, the, the giving of the Lord your substance and the giving of the Lord of the first fruits of all your increase, um, God does not need our stuff, right? God does not need any substance. God, we, 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 he does not live uh, in a house made with hands. Uh, Solomon acknowledges this when he built the temple, that we do not serve a God that lives in a, in a house made with hands. We do not serve a God that needs to eat. We do not serve a God that needs to sleep. And so, and even when we look at Jericho and the walls of Jericho falling down in the city of Jericho, God did not say in consecrating Jericho unto him, save it all and store it up in a house for me. He said, excuse me, <coughs> he, he said, burn it all, destroy it all. And by destroying it all, uh, they were consecrating it unto the Lord. And the point is not that, that God needed the stuff. The point is that God wanted them to acknowledge him. 
that the, that the stuff is not what is important. That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God does he live. That God gives us stuff. That stuff is an abundant blessing from the Lord, but that the stuff is not what we live for. We live for the Lord, and the Lord gives us stuff, or he doesn't give us stuff. And that that stuff is not the operative element of my lives. That I'm not going to live for stuff. That I'm not going to wrap myself around stuff. That I'm not going to dedicate my life to stuff. Because stuff doesn't matter. And that doesn't mean I'm going to withhold myself from having any stuff. But I am going to do something to show the Lord his place among my stuff. And that is by consecrating stuff to him. And so the, the focal point is not actually your substance and your increase. The focal point is the honor and the first fruits. The focal point is that you are honoring the Lord. I was reading just recently in 1 Samuel chapter 2. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, we, I have preached through 1 and 2 Samuel. And that's not what I'm looking for. Um, hmm. Give me just a moment on this one. I'm really confused as to how I got the uh, reference goofed up here. That's what I'm seeing. Did I miss? Oh, okay. I was just on the wrong. I was on the wrong uh, chapter there. Okay. Uh, in in First Timothy chapter, or excuse me, in First Samuel chapter two, we see God speaking to Eli. Eli was the high priest of the Lord, and his sons were profane. And a man of God comes to Eli. And in verse 27 of 1 Samuel 2, the Bible says this, And there came a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? All of these things are true. Eli, as the high priest, his sons as high priest, Hophni and Phinehas, um, were were um, given these great blessings of the Lord. They were given these privileges to serve the Lord. And he asks in verse 29, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of my people? Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and, thy, and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. That would be the house of Levi and the house of Aaron. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And he promises that there's coming a day where his house will be cut off and that another house will take his place. And we see that happen uh, throughout the course of the Old Testament. But notice this principle here. They that honor me I honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. 
So the principle, as we look at this idea, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. It is not about stuff. It is not about God wanting stuff. And it certainly isn't about the church wanting your money. But it is about the means by which you honor the Lord. And really, everything so far within the scope of Proverbs 3 and these commands has been about regarding the Lord in all things, has it not? So in verses 3 and 4, mercy and truth, right? Let not mercy and truth depart from thee. Honoring the Lord with my interactions with others, that I pair mercy and truth because these two things are only found, this element of of the truth in love, this is found in the context of us emulating our Lord. And so we honor the Lord by emulating Him, by emulating Jesus Christ, by telling the truth and doing it in love and merging grace and truth together. And so we honor the Lord in our interactions in our ministry. And then we trust in the Lord with all our hearts and we lean not into our own understanding. In all our ways we acknowledge Him and He shall direct our paths. We honor the Lord by making Him the center or the focal point of our decision-making process. And we trust Him so that when it comes to a decision between what God says and what I believe, or what my, my senses say, I follow the Lord, thus I honor Him. And then I, I honor the Lord by fearing God, by not being wise in my own eyes, but fearing the Lord and departing from evil. And so I recognize that I have a path, that I have a way, that I can think of myself as one who has a great amount of understanding, whether that be in the, the physical context or the spiritual context, but then I fear the Lord and thus depart from evil, and so I have honored God by regarding Him, and this is just another part of the process. That we are regarding God in our physical substance, just as we're regarding God in our decision-making, just as we're regarding God in our, our self-perception, and just as we are regarding God in our interactions with others. Do you see how these all link? Can you see how it is that we are bringing about through this process a measure of honoring God in all things? And the simple point is, God wants you to honor Him as it relates to the physical, the substance, the, the, the element of, of work and the element of, of how you use your money and, and the element of, of um, what you do with the things that you have, the element of how you take care of the things that you have, and, and where you commit your resources. You honor the Lord with these things. You don't have to spend time wondering and fretting and giving up the things which, giving up other priorities in order to work. This is uh, one of the reasons why many people, many pastors have, have acknowledged throughout the years, have, have exhorted their people unto a number of physical principles as it relates to God. One of them is that pastors encourage a first fruits or a tithe or giving. And the reason is not, or it ought not be, it is unfortunately many churches, but the whole point of that in a rightly related church is not that the church wants your money or needs your money. You notice that throughout this whole process, there has not been, I have not even made an announcement on how you can send your money in. You want to send your money, you can get it to me, that's great. We've had money come in every week, that's wonderful, good, um, thank the Lord, We're, God's going to take care of us, He does that, it's all good. That's not the point, though. The church doesn't need your money in that sense. I mean, it does because that's how we function, but God will take care of the church. 
But what the minister cares about is that your priority is that you are honoring the Lord with the first fruit of your substance, with the first fruit of your increase. Because in doing so, you are reflecting, it is keeping your heart rooted in the right place. It is keeping yourself rightly related to stuff. Yeah, but I don't have enough money. Okay, well, well, what does the Bible say? Why, why are you placing money, your need for money, above a biblical principle, especially when that biblical principle is rooted in the promise that the Lord will direct your paths, that, that the Lord will take care of you? Now, again, we've said this before. This is not a spiritual Ponzi scheme. This is not a, a spiritual pyramid scheme. This is not a, a uh, process by which I say, well, I'm going to give the Lord $10 and then he's obligated to give me 20 back and then I'm going to give him uh, that 20 and then he's obligated to give me 40 and then I'm going to give him that 40 and he's obligated to give me 80 and next thing you know, I'm a millionaire because God is obligated to give me back when I have given to him. That's not how this works. I can't manipulate God into getting material things. The whole point of this is not about money. It's not about increase. It's about honoring the Lord. And the Lord honors those who honor Him. The Lord takes care of those who honor Him. That's what this is about. We may, make this, uh, we may have disagreements about some elements of consecration or giving. There are some people who say, no, I'm not going to get insurance because that's not trusting the Lord. There are other people that say, nope, I'm getting insurance. There are some people that say, I'm going to, to, to tithe an exact 10%. There are others that say, I'm, I'm not doing a 10%, but I'm doing a first fruits. There are some that say that 10% needs to be pre-tax. There are some that, that haven't even thought about that. And, and there are all those debates. And you know what? None of them actually matter except to the extent that you are honoring the Lord in the manner that he has prescribed, that you are regarding the Lord, that you are doing what you believe he wants you to do as a reflection of your trust in him. And so there are many who have said, you know what, we don't have the money to give the first fruits to the Lord, but we're going to do it anyway. And may I just be honest with you about that point? I'm being honest with you about everything, but may, may I be candid with you here? I have never met anybody who has, even in their lack, given to the Lord out of a right heart, not out of a spiritual Ponzi scheme heart, but out of a right heart to honor the Lord who has not been taken care of, who has not had what they've sought for and what they've needed. Not because they've sought to manipulate the Lord into giving it, but because they rested on the promises of God. Honor the Lord. God says, Who... You, who, he who honors me, I will honor. Those that despise me, remember that idea of despise, it's like hate, it's, it's, it's lowering esteem, it's belittling, it's thinking little of, I will lightly esteem, I will think little of as well. And that is what, that is what Proverbs is speaking of here. That as we honor the Lord by, by acknowledging him in all our ways, that as we honor the Lord by trusting in Him, that as we honor the Lord by living in mercy and truth, even though that's not a natural predisposition of our hearts, that, even, that, that as we honor the Lord by not being wise in our own eyes, but fearing God in these same ways, we honor the Lord with our substance. I take the things that I have and I hold them loosely. 
so that the vehicles that I have, they are the Lord's. He gave them, he can take them away. My children, he gave them, he can take them away. My health, he gave it, he can take it away. My house, he gave it, he can take it away. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, to dedicate myself to these things. Uh, another example of this that, again, I've seen people honor. And once again, it's not about the, the act itself, but it's about the honor behind the act. It's not about the spiritual Ponzi scheme, but it is about the heart behind it. There have been any number of people that I have known who have decidedly refused to take a job that asks Sundays of them. And of those who have done it with the right heart to honor the Lord, to regard the Lord, to consecrate unto the Lord that, that time where the church chooses to meet. And the church chooses to meet on Sunday. We could choose to meet on another day of the week. It just so happens we choose to meet on Sunday. Nothing uh, uniquely spiritual about Sunday. That's just what we've chosen. We have our reasons for doing so, but those that I have known who have done that, have, 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 it's never gone wrong for them. That's anecdotal. All of that's anecdotal. But it's consistent, isn't it? It's consistent with the principle. And all of that being said, the principle, the point, the desire, the intent, the focus is not on your substance or on your increase. The focus is on honoring the Lord, the first fruits, that you are taking the first of what you have, the best of what you have, that you are giving the Lord that which reflects worth unto his name. And what is the promise here? So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Is that not the exact principle from 1 Samuel chapter 2? That whom the Lord, that who, he who honors the Lord, the Lord will honor. And again, we cannot take this principle as a promise in that one day you're going to wake up because you gave the Lord the first fruits and all of a sudden there's going to be uh, your, your, your barn in the back is, is going to um, be just filled to the brim uh, with plenty and all of a sudden you're going to look on the other side of your house and you're going to have random presses there that are bursting forth with new wine. Where did those presses come from? Right? That's not the point. The point is not literal here. It's principled. That those who honor the Lord, those who who commit not just not 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 just to a spiritual Ponzi scheme, not just to a spiritual pyramid scheme, not just to a, a a spiritual manipulation tactic whereby I'm going to force God to make me rich, but those who commit their substance to honoring the Lord, to doing with what you have what God wants you to do with it, to acknowledging that what you have is the Lord's to giving of the Lord of the fruit of that which you have as a way to regard not just the Lord's goodness and giving it to you, but of the fact that of all these things that you have, God is more important still, and all of it can go away, and that's fine as long as you still have God, right? That a day in God's courts is better than a thousand, that we had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of our God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And it is that heart that regard, that honor unto the Lord, that the Lord rewards. And so maybe there are some people under the sound of my voice today that have some work to do in this area. That as we consider any of these, trusting in the Lord or mercy and truth, not forsaking thee or, or uh, being not wise in your own eyes or in this idea of honoring the Lord with your increase in your substance that you have uh, perhaps sought to manipulate the Lord or perhaps said, well, someday I'll be, I'll be wealthy enough that I can 
I can honor the Lord with my substance. And when I have that extra, may I encourage you again that that's not the right spirit. The spirit of this is acknowledging that you don't need to get to a point of self-sustenance before you'll honor the Lord. You don't need to get a point to a point of self-sustenance before you'll acknowledge God's role in the process. From the very moment that the process begins, God needs to be acknowledged. Well, pastor, I just don't have much. Yeah, well, all the more reason to recognize that you don't need anything, that, that God is enough to honor the Lord and to, to place Him above whatever it is you do have. And then as you gain more, maybe even gets a little harder to do that. Do I really desire God more than all of the things I can have now? Important to keep that perspective. Important to keep our hearts in line. That's what this is about. This is about your heart. How are you doing this evening? Are you honoring the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of all your increase? Is God in the center of all your thoughts? Is everything that you have separated and consecrated unto the Lord? Are you trusting Him for what you have and for what you lack? Are you, are you living in the bounty of the Lord's provision for you? Are you recognizing that God is in control of all of these things? Is this your mindset? As you should honor the Lord with your interactions, as you should honor the Lord with your intentions, as you should honor the Lord with your attitude, so too you should honor the Lord with your substance. Are you doing that? For some, that might mean actual giving. For others, that might mean time. Maybe you're saying, you know, I'm a busy person. And I just don't have, a, I don't give God a lot of time. And maybe the first part of your day needs to be given to the Lord. Sunday, that, one of the principles there is that the first part of your week is given to the Lord. And that's why we meet together on a, uh, part of the reason why we meet together on a Sunday, so that you can give the first part of your week to the Lord. This principle plays out in so many ways. And the legal workings out of the principle is not as much of a concern to me, and I don't believe it's as much a concern to God as it is the spiritual principle playing out in your life as it relates to your things, as it relates to your time, as it relates to your abilities. Many a pastor will say, time, talent, and treasures. And we give them to the Lord to honor Him. That's the point. We're not going to manipulate Him into giving us stuff so that we can get more stuff. But as we honor Him, we can be sure of this principle that whom he who honors the Lord, the Lord will honor as well. Let's close in prayer.